Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. For me personally, I think I can get caught up in a lot of analysis paralysis around, is this the right thing to innovate on? Or is this the thing that's going to work? Um, there, I, And what I've, what I've realized through my startups, through you know, working projects, through building things, is that you don't really know until you do it. Um, until you get out there and do it. And, and nowadays there's so many resources at your fingertips with the internet. I mean, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking on, we're recording a podcast across the world right now, um, you know, off through a web browser. And that's, that's amazing. There's so much, there's so much out there that, that you can just take advantage of. And so there's very low, little risk in trying. And um, if you fail, you're going to learn something that's going to help the next thing you do. So to be innovative, I'd say, I'd say, just, just do it. Just go do it. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. Now, if you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Sam Keck of Common Folk Coffee and with George Bryant, our very special episode 300, George from GB Masterminds and the Lighthouse Method, then do check them out after you've listened to this episode. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Noah Labhart. He's the co-founder and chief technology officer of Variable and host of the Code Story podcast. Variable is the on-demand labor marketplace for manufacturing, logistics and warehousing that allows businesses and workers to connect directly. Businesses can gain flexible capacity and quality workers, while operators get daily pay, flexible work arrangements and diverse work opportunities. It is a radically different business model that's particularly valuable right now in this time of the COVID pandemic. In our discussion, Noah talked to me about how to have your team own and run your projects. We talked about getting in touch with who you are, then owning it and rocking it, as Noah calls it, and how to get new ideas and solve problems by walking away from them for a little while. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Noah Labhart. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast, all the way from Fort Worth in Texas, USA, 
Noah Lapphart, who is the host of the Code Story podcast and also co-founder and chief technology officer of Variable. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Noah. It's a privilege to have you as my guest. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, you've been involved in startups for a long time, and you're also helping businesses to grow in a, a unique way and um, obviously a podcast host as well. But before we talk about all those things, give us a bit of a whistle-stop tour of your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure, sure. So uh, I am um, a native Texan. I've lived in Texas my whole life. Uh, grew up in a small town called Joshua. Went to college at Texas A&M University and graduated with computer science and mathematics degree. Uh, jumped out, did some work in the corporate world, and just didn't really get didn't get the itch scratch that I wanted. Uh, worked in the corporate world for eight years and uh, was taken care of. Worked for some great people, learned a lot. You know, was very well taken care of. But I just had the entrepreneurial itch, and I had to end up jumping off the corporate world into my own thing. Uh, started a mobile development agency, so started to build mobile apps on my own. Um, built that up for a couple of years. And then after I, uh, after I did that for a while, I met my current co-founder, uh, a variable Mike Kinder, and he pitched the idea for variable to me and I couldn't shoot holes in it. Uh, built a lot of startups, built a lot of startup, uh, solutions, uh, partnered with a lot of startups and, um, couldn't shoot holes in the idea. So we decided to set out in uh, May of 2016 to, to build variable. Fast forward a couple of years and Variable's doing well. I also started a podcast called Code Story, as you mentioned. Um, so I interview tech leaders and CTOs, kind of like myself, of uh, about their technical and human journeys building you know, something from nothing, essentially. Taking an idea from the back of a napkin um, to a fully-fledged launch MVP to maturing an uh, you know, industry-disrupting product. So... Uh, do that now. Um, I am a, uh, a husband. I've been married for uh, 11 years. I have three kids, um, eight, six, and four, almost four, three, four next month. Mm. Um, so full house, busy house, especially during um, pandemic times with homeschool and working from home. That's uh, <laughs> been really, has some really beautiful moments there. I'm also a man of faith, a longtime uh, Christian, and um, uh, faith is central to my life and also an outdoorsman. I like to go hunt and fish and, and be outdoors and work in the yard and things. So that's a, there's, there's a, I don't know if that's quite whistle stop, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's, there's a bit it's of a, a tour. Gives us, yeah. It gives us a pretty good idea of uh, what you've done and who you are as a person as well. So I love it. <laughs> um, now you, you touched on the COVID situation and um, you know, we're all in lockdown in various forms and, I know um, that with Variable, you've uh, built it up to be a remote team from day one. Now, in, in the current lockdown situation, all of a sudden, everybody's an expert in remote working. And I seem to get these uh, emails daily about you know tips to improve your remote work. And, and I have to laugh because I've been doing it for as long as I can remember. Um, so what what lessons have you learned in um, remote working in particular in having built up variable on that model right from the beginning. And first of all, I guess, why, why did you choose that model? Well, it's interesting. So, so I built up TouchTap, uh, so my mobile agency on a fully remote model, but variable actually is not. Um, so, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so, right. so the yep. variable team is a, uh, is an in-office team. 
Um, mm. but, but I still, uh, I built TouchTap, um, which is no longer running, but TouchTap, my mobile development agency was all fully remote. So I had engineers across the country, um, and, and across the world really that I worked with and what I learned then and what I'm learning, relearning now is the importance of uh, making sure that the teams stay connected, making sure that, um, there's still, uh, touch points where people can talk to other people that people are connecting with what they're working on, not only what they're working on, but connecting with what they're working on to other people. Over communication is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Slack, email, phone, uh, virtual video chat, things like that. Making sure that everybody is always aligned. And then also, you know, and, and maybe this is unique to the current pandemic, but making sure that everyone's taking care of themselves. So you can sit inside and work remote and stare at a screen all, all day long, but making sure that the teams are balancing, you know, getting away from the screen, taking walks, going outside, breathing fresh air, seeing that things are still, you know, the grass is still growing and the trees are still mm -hmm. blooming and all those sorts of things. So um, I think those two things, staying connected and staying connected as a team and staying connected with yourself are both incredibly important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, that's the staying connected with yourself and taking time away from the screen. That, that is really important, particularly now where, you know, people feel as though they're, they're not supposed to go out or anything. And, and which is the case in some locations, but even then it's good to get away from the screen and, and, focus on something else even if you can just stare out the window and um, maybe <laughs> breathe the fresh air on your balcony for a while that's right luckily we're luckily we can go out for one exercise a day i don't know how they monitor <laughs> that you've been out already yeah. <laughs> on any given day but uh, i certainly um, try to get out at least once every day to either on a bike ride or a walk so no good for you that's a so right, important hmm so tell us a little bit more about what you do at Variable then. Absolutely. So uh, Variable, what Variable is, is an on-demand marketplace for manufacturing and supply chain labor. Uh, so what does that mean? We are a platform, a technology platform that connects businesses and workers, which we call operators, to discrete work opportunities in the manufacturing and industrial spaces. So we give businesses the ability or enable them to adopt a third labor paradigm. So you have full-time labor, you've got temp staffing, which is really staff augmentation. And then you've got on-demand labor where you can deal with your weekly ebbs and flows of your demand and um, bring in people that you need up and down. It allows businesses to capitalize on revenue opportunities, lower their administrative burden of not having to bring on full-time or temp staffing individuals that allows them to handpick the people that they work with on an on-demand basis. It enables them to uh, achieve flexible capacity, labor capacity specifically. And from the worker side, we give, um, we enable the workers or operators to put together flexible schedules, work for di diverse companies, diverse work opportunities, expand their skills and something they really love uh, to get paid daily. So uh, the workers that work on our platform, they work an op, which is a, a work opportunity for us. They get paid the next day. So if they, when they put together a full-time schedule on our platform, they essentially have a rolling paycheck every day. So at a high level, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. We're, we're enabling flexible capacity 
Okay. So operators uh, that are looking for work of this kind would register with variable and also manufacturers would register with variable and and then they find one another on the platform. That's right. Yeah. So um, operators have a mobile app that they download and they sign up to use. There are a handful of uh, requirements that we require them to do, which uh, they're pretty simple. Um, the They add a, a payment method, so a way that we can pay them once they work. Hmm. They, they fill out a tax form because they are 1099 contractors from, from a U.S. standpoint. And um, then they do a background check. So we, we have all three of those things done. Once they're completed and pass the background check, they're ready to start bidding on uh, work opportunities. From a business standpoint, all, all the business has to do is essentially fill out their metadata, so to speak, you know, their address, their company name, description of what the company is, and then sign up and they can start posting work. They can start posting work on the platform until they are at the point where they have to accept an operator. They don't even have to put in a payment method. They can just get on the platform, try it out, see what sort of traction they're getting from workers in their area, um, and then uh, go from there. Hmm. And so how, how do you earn the revenue? Is that from when, when an operator is hired? Right. So we, we charge businesses a premium for, uh, based on the transaction. So we, we scrape a, a premium off of the transaction. So if, um, if, you know, if we are charging a, um, uh, I'm sorry, if we, if we're paying an operator a hundred bucks, uh, we're going to charge the business, uh, 130. Um, and mm-hmm. take, um, take that 30 off. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. And, um, is what, what I'm curious about, how do you maintain the integrity of the system from the point of view of, um, making sure that, you know, the operators are good operators that you have on there and also that the businesses are, are reliable, that they, you know, they treat the operators well. That's a great question. So, um, it's a two way rating system. So it's like, uh, like most marketplaces you'll see out there, the operators, um, rely heavily on their ratings. Uh, and we see it day in and day out. An operator may come in and may, may not take the, uh, platform seriously, although we tell them and tell them twice and tell them three times, make sure to take your, take your rating seriously. Um, if they no show, uh, for an op, um, they're, they're essentially given a one-star rating automatically and it's likely yeah. they're not going to get work ever again on the platform. Hmm. But if someone comes in and does a good job and locks in a few five-star ratings, they're going to continually get work on the platform. Um, same thing with businesses. So operators can rate businesses on the quality of the work environment, the the safety of the work environment, you know, how detailed or how correct the details were for certain work opportunities so that operators know before they get into a, um, a, you know, bidding on an opportunity, they know what how how quality a business is to go work for. Hmm. Um, so it's it's two ways there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in terms of maintaining the viability and integrity of the platform and your business, that that's probably really important that something like that is in place, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's something that we, we immediately tell our businesses about that they get to not only pick the, the operators that have the best ratings, they're able to see them. They can also look at an operator's resume, which is interesting. Uh, it's not that typically isn't done with with the temp staffing type of situation. A business can, can go on our platform and look and see not only their experience on our platform, 
and not only their rating on our platform, but their experience outside the platform too. What industries they've worked in, what businesses they've worked for, if they have any sort of certifications like forklift driving or anything like that, um, that they, they've carried over from prior experience, they can see all of that before they choose a specific operator. Hmm. Okay. Um, so what, what was some of the challenges that you had to overcome as you launched this you, um, and, and got it um, to critical mass so that basically it was sustainable for a longer term? Sure. Um, you know, we, we had our fair share of challenges. We still face our fair share of challenges uh, every day. <laughs> um, but early on, you know, it was interesting. It's, a, it's kind of a chicken and the egg problem with a marketplace. Right. You got to have enough workers to attract businesses, but you have to have enough businesses to attract workers. Um, so we chose to start with the um, the operator side, the worker side uh, in, a, in a, from a recruiting standpoint, um, as far as getting operators on the platform and then promising them that they were going to be start seeing businesses in the, in the near term. And that worked out pretty well um, when we actually launched in February of 2017, uh, the, the pilot MVPs is call it of the product. Uh, we had 400 or 500 operators in the North Texas area, which is kind of our pilot mm. pilot markets where we're, where we're located. And then we had a handful of businesses that were interested in, you know, posting and trying to get some of those workers out to, to use, uh, on, on our platform. What we, what we didn't anticipate, we really thought it was going to be harder to attract the workforce, the, the, the operators, the workers on the platform. Um, to this day, they, they are actually much, much easier to get on the platform. Um, and easy is relative, but we have had more success in automating that process than the businesses. And what we've realized is that businesses, especially in the manufacturing industrial space, they are, they can be a little rigid, right? Because they don't have a lot of room to be flexible. They are measured down to the operational, you know, I, I dotted and T cross kind mm. of thing. So when they're wanting to come in or, or, you know, if, if they're wanting to change something, there has to be a lot of immediate visible value uh, to them. And so what our job has become is essentially to come in and educate them on this third labor paradigm uh, and tell them a new way uh, to operate, like to achieve flexible capacity to improve their operation um, through on-demand labor. Once we have that conversation, it's pretty easy for, especially the operations folks to see how this can dramatically change their operation. But it's, it takes a little bit of that first conversation. We didn't, didn't expect that. Hmm. I guess it raises two questions. The first one is how did you get out in front of operators first? Hmm. How did you reach out to them so that you, you result, you know, you've got so many to jump on board early on. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a fun ride. We, um, you know, me and my co-founder, um, actually my, my, really my co-founder, some of our early teammates went out and sold the, uh, the app essentially to all kinds of different personas. We'll say, uh, while, while me and a few other of the early tech folks were finishing the, the platform, our early team members, including my partner, went out to say like Amazon warehouses and sat in the parking lot and told people about the platform <laughs> or, or went to, you know, different establishments where people might hang out like food trucks or bars or things like that and tried to catch them after work and just, you know, leave them a flyer or, or tell them to download mm -hmm. the app. 
Um, we also partners partnered with the Texas Workforce Commission um, on on some of their employment employment events uh, and and mm. set up a booth and sat out there and told people about the platform. So the, in the early days, it was very manual. It was very much uh, yeah. getting out in front of people. Um, well, since one on one conversations. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that, the early days, that's how we did it. Nowadays, we've been able to automate it through digital tools like ZipRecruiter and um, you know, Google jobs and, and snag a job and other sort of job boards where we're able to post job postings for the platform. And then people mm -hmm. get on the platform and they're able to see the work from there. And that's, that's actually gone really well. Yeah. And then with, with the manufacturers, that was, um, the same, same kind of thing, except you schedule meetings with them, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's, it, and that's still an interesting problem that we're, getting much more sophisticated in figuring out, but, um, still something that we're, we're working on. Um, you know, with early days, it was, it was, you know, emails, it was sending out mail flyers just to try to get people's attention. And we would get a trickle of people coming in that would want to, um, want to use the platform. Nowadays, it's a, it's a, we have a much more sophisticated process around HubSpot and CRM and, um, you know, uh, warm leads, email, you know, trickle campaigns, things like that, uh, which work, but uh, even at the same point, um, at, at saying that it's, it's, it's helpful to create brand awareness, but the real selling point is coming out and saying, Hey, I know your operation just as well as you. And I know you're in this industry. So you're probably having problems here, 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 and here, this is where you can use on-demand labor. So it's almost it's almost operations consulting with a labor bent. Um, that's that's mm. where it started to work now. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, really interesting. I love that concept. I mean, it's a it's a fundamental marketing concept, really. Then that's understanding the problem you're solving and knowing who your ideal client is, and that they're having the problem, being able to articulate it back to them in a way that they say, "Oh, yes, that's exactly." one of my issues. And, um, if you've got a solution, well, I'm interested. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and it's, and those are, those are fun conversations to have too, because you can, you can almost get a little paternal and say, look, you're doing it wrong. You, you need to try to do <laughs> yeah. it this way. And, and what's, what's interesting about operations folks, and that's not the only audience that we talk to, but operations folks are tend to be okay with being spoken to like that because they want to get down to the brass tacks of what's hmm. of what the problem really is and what value you're bringing. So it's those are fun to have. Yeah. All right. Now you started off in Texas. You mentioned is uh, how broad is your geographic reach now? So we are um, we have uh, our footprint expands the uh, Texas, Arizona, uh, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, um, at Florida, and Tennessee. So we are in the kind of the southern, southeastern, and mid southern, however you say that, uh, in Texas. I guess Texas is its own thing. Uh, maybe that's because I'm a Texan. Uh, <laughs> uh, but basically, the southern, southern, and southeastern part of uh, of the United States. We we do have plans to expand uh, through further through the United States this year, but um, you know the pandemic has put a bit of a <laughs> of a stop on that right now. Yeah, well, that that was one of my questions also. Uh, so, how have things changed for you as a result of the pandemic and all the uh, all the impact on economies right around the world? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. You know, it was a bit scary in the beginning, but 
the industries that we support that have slowed down have been offset by industries that we support that have sped up based on, Mm -hmm. based on COVID. Um, We support a number of medical distributors uh, who are sending medical supplies to the front lines and they, they're busier than ever. Um, Mm. And, and they, they really, we've, we're fortunate and blessed to have them on the platform, um, you know, and to be such an established customer because they've been busier than ever and, and they really picked up a lot during this time. So we've been fortunate to, to not have to let anybody go. Um, we've maintained our team. We've essentially, you know, we haven't grown obviously like we want to, um, over these past couple of months, but we've been able to maintain, um, which we've, we've been very, very pleased with and consider ourselves fortunate. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm imagining that for those manufacturers that are working in that medical space, that having the ability to quickly bring this sort of uh, operator on board is, is invaluable to them. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And um, even for the worker themselves too, because they might, you know, they might have been just let go from their full-time role. And this was a, this was a secondary gig. Well, now it's their primary gig. And so that, you know, they've got worked, you know, to get them through the next few months or even, even beyond if they want to keep on the, on the platform. We have such a diverse set of people working on the platform, some full-time manufacturing workers that, you know, pick up shifts here and there to earn extra money. Some people who need fully flexible schedules, other people that just, you know, pick up a shift now and then. And so they can meet the needs to, of, of all the manufacturing in, you know, companies and businesses and warehouses and, and distribution centers that we support. Hmm. So what, what uh, other kinds of support do you offer the operators that are on the platform? So we, um, we offer them or we offer them, um, say, I would say partnerships. We partner with some companies that provide insurance advice, uh, for the gig economy, you know, tax advice, uh, for, for people that are 1099 contractors, we, we support them through, um, the gamification on the platform where we, we create kind of reward systems for them to use the platform. You know, we're, we're sending them out helpful information to help them essentially manage their, uh, contract worker type of, of life. Um, which includes all those things I mentioned that, you know, the insurance is different. The, the taxes are different. Um, you know, PPE is different. We even try to, to make sure they're aware of different opportunities where they can buy PPE and things like that. So, um, that's, that's our main focus with them. Um, we are looking at enhancing some of those things. We're, we're actually pretty regularly looking for ways to partner with other companies who have solved a part of call it the gig economy. We're sort of on in the middle of gig economy versus not, we're not necessarily gig, but we're, but we are, it, and it's kind of a kind of a weird middle point. Mm-hmm. We are in um, sort of the intersection, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. And, and so we, we're consistently looking for partners that will help, you know, enhance the lives of our operators, um, you know, as, as much as possible. And what's neat is when we look for those partners, we look for ways to just deliver that experience right through our app. Cause we know that's what they're looking. That's not, we know that's what they're going for work. And so we just try to deliver that on a silver platter to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I think it's um, it's an important part of the model, isn't it? Because when people, um, some people may even just go there to 
get some additional information and, and then they see that there is an opportunity to actually get some um, contract work as well. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. Now, um, I want to switch to the podcast, the Code Story podcast. I'm curious, why why did you start that? Did that come about before variable or totally independent of variable or how are the two connected? <laughs> That's a good, good question. It, it is independent of variable. It's kind of my side passion project. So how it came about, um, I've been listening to podcasts for, for quite a while. There's actually two reasons it came about. I had been listening to podcasts for quite a while. One of my favorites is how I built this with Guy Raz. Mm. And I think he does a fantastic job of, of pulling really interesting parts out of the human stories of, of individuals who've started companies. And I really liked that. And what that drove me to do was to look for a tech version of that. Essentially, Guy Raz's tech version of how I built this. And went out to look for it. And I couldn't find it. I found some people that, that did a great job I and mean, that, that made a great podcast, but they weren't narrated like, like guys podcast. They weren't put to music. They weren't really part of a, an experience, an audio experience. And I really wanted that with tech in it. And maybe that's just because that's me. I'm, I'm a bit of an artist myself and, and a tech guy, which is not normal. Um, I say that there's actually a lot of musicians in tech, but I don't want to digress on that. Um, so, so artist and, and tech guy, and, but I couldn't find that kind of podcast. And I was like, okay, what if I, what if I gave it a shot? The, the second point I was going to, I was going to mention is through variable as a CTO, I talked to lots of different CTOs about how they're doing things, how they're building their teams, how they're scaling their technology, how they are designing and architecting, um, and what sort of, you know, things they went through early on. And I thought, well, I've kind of got the network to do it. Um, why don't I give it a shot? So I had a buddy of mine, uh, Ryland Barnes, who is a longtime friend of mine, a college roommate. Uh, we were in his, uh, we were in each other's weddings and, and things like that. Longtime friend. And, uh, he's also a successful tech entrepreneur. And I said, Hey, I'm going to start this podcast. Here's the premise. What do you think? And uh, I don't know if it's because he's my friend or if, you know, if, <laughs> if, if he really liked the idea, but he got excited about it. So I was like, okay, let's do it. You're going to be my first interview. Uh, so he came over, we did the first interview and it took me six months to edit it, (laughs) six months to edit it by by myself. Um, and finally I just was like, this is never going to get off the, off the ground if I do everything. So ended up hiring a, um, an editor to work with me. His name is George, George Macharco for season one. Uh, Bradley Denham is actually who edits uh, season two and, and beyond now, but George is my first editor. He did a fantastic job and uh, ended up launching the first episode in June of last year. And, um, gosh, I guess we're 30, 30 something episodes now. Mm. Yeah. Well, well done. You've gotten through the, uh, pod fade is typically around about seven <laughs> or eight episodes. I think it's <laughs> sure. a statistic. Yeah. Right. I've so heard that term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm about to um, start up my second podcast. It, it actually got stalled at seven, so I thought oh, I'm having pod fade there. I need to get through that. Um, but go. of course, I'm pleased to say that um, as we speak, actually, this is going to be episode 301 for the Innova Buzz podcast. So we're That's well amazing. and truly through pod fade there. <laughs> mm. Congratulations! <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. All right, and. and so how did you go about growing the podcast then once once you got 
it up and running and episodes out there? Sure. That's a, that's a great question. You know, and I'm still trying to figure out the formula and I think, you know, I, I'm sure you can relate that the, the formula sort of always evolves and changes how you can get it in front of new audiences. But at first I started out just doing social media and just doing, you know, sharing the podcast uh, through all the distribution channels that I could. And that helped, um, that helped a pretty good, but it was a pretty slow growth trickle. And I was like, okay, this, this is working, but it's not as fast as I want to. And I feel like this is, I feel like people are going to like this. I just got to get it in front of people. Um, and then I realized the value of the types of guests that I was bringing on. Really, I was kind of sort of cherry picking the guests that I thought would be interesting, which I still do. I'll, I'll be honest. But there were also um, some opportunities to bring on some guests that were interesting and interesting stories, but had a really big audience too. Hmm. And so that helped a ton to to sort of be able to you know swap uh, swap maybe swap episodes or. Um, interview people that had had the audience that had the exposure that when they liked to tweet, you know, it would get a thousand views, um, things like that. So that that's sort of how how I started to do it uh, from that standpoint. I've done a little bit of advertising through Podcorn, so through other podcasts um, where I can share my my uh, podcast on other people's feeds, and that's been helpful too. But you know, to be honest, I'm I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's why I asked the question of podcast. <laughs> I'm thinking is is there something I'm missing? Is there a tip? I mean, I've essentially done a lot of what you mentioned there, and I'm looking. There's a few new platforms around. I don't know if you're familiar with Podchaser. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a, a rapidly growing podcast directory. They're doing lots of interesting things to sort of help people promote. Um, so there's a few things like that I'm trying out, um, but like you, I, I'd, um, I'd really like to see a more rapid growth, but I guess things I'm doing are working, so I'll just keep uh, plugging away at that. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it works. You just got to plug away. Yeah. All right. Well, this is fascinating, Noah. I um, uh, could talk podcasting all day, and uh, your story about variable is really interesting. I mean, there's lots of other questions we could delve into, but I'm just watching the time here. I'm aware of the time. I think it's a good point to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And I'm sure there'd be things from from your experience out of variable and podcasting and your other startups come up here. It's essentially designed for the listener to get some valuable tips from your experience and hopefully take something away today that'll inspire them to go and do something awesome as a result. Very cool. So, um, yeah, there's five questions. Um, first one is what's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Oh, there's so, there's so many things that come to mind, but the number one, <laughs> the number one thing I think to be innovative is to do it just to do it. Um, you know, I think that for me personally, I think I can get caught up in a lot of analysis paralysis around is this the right thing to innovate on or is this the thing that's going to work um there I, and what i've what i've realized through my startups through you know working projects through building things is that you don't really know until you do it um until yeah. you get out there and do it and and nowadays there's so many resources at your fingertips with the internet i mean i mean you know we're we're talking on we're recording a podcast across the world right now um, you know, on, on, through a web browser. And that's, that's amazing. There's so much, there's so much out there that 
that you can just take advantage of. And so there's very low, little risk in trying. And um, if you fail, you're going to learn something that's going to help the next thing you do. So to be innovative, I'd say, I'd say, just, just do it. Just go do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. I mean, I, I, so often I think of something and I think, um, or I see something and I, I have this thought of, Oh, I thought of that a while ago, but of course I didn't, I didn't take action. Somebody else took action and, and have turned it into an, so that uh, something too, useful. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So taking action is, is quite important. And, and I like that you said, you know, even if you fail, you learn something from it. Absolutely. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, my, my favorite way to develop new ideas. So I'm a, I'm a tech guy. I build digital tools. I build software, right? I'm a software architect. My best, most interesting way to generate new ideas in that field is to go do analog things, is to get away from the digital field, the digital world, um, and go outside. Um, I, and there's, I think there's two things that happens. One, it could be inside, it could be outside. That's not the point. But for me, it's outside. And there's two things that happens. One, when I take my my eyes off and my mind off of what I'm trying to innovate on or you know what I'm trying to where I'm trying to generate new ideas, then I think clearer. I'm not staring at it the whole time. And then two, just good ideas come from the most random places. You know, mm-hmm. I might be getting, you know, getting a, a a beverage at a gas station and be like, oh, I've got this idea for how I can optimize our platform based on how I saw the soda come out of the machine into the cup, you know, <laughs> it, it, and it may not even have anything to do with that metaphor. It just may have to do with that moment where my head was. Um, so get out and do analog stuff, you know, um, I, I think that's that's really important. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think there's a an element of curiosity there, isn't there, uh, over what might seem like banal things, like how the soda comes out of the out of the dispenser. Um, to me, I I have this saying that everything is a metaphor, mm. and I think you know you you observe things that you know maybe people take for granted, um, and look at it and say, well what what can that teach me or why why is that the way it is and that that often brings those sort of thoughts for me Mm -hmm. absolutely i like that everything is a metaphor yeah all right do you have a favorite resource you use most often um i'm on slack 24 7 uh so i think i think that's probably my most useful resource email um linkedin is 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 good uh, connecting to new individuals. Um, I think if, if I had to pick one across everything that I've, that I do or have done, it probably would be, uh, probably would be Slack or my Mac. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. Those two would be the ones I'd choose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Slack certainly has carved out a niche in, in the remote working space. And you talked earlier about how important it was to over communicate and slack is great for real-time communication and and also integrating with a whole lot of other online tools where you can share um, information absolutely okay now what's the best way to keep a project on track oh i i like this one um so i'm a, i'm also a, a a pmp so i have i have two answers for this um you know 
there's the technical project manager answer of, you know, uh, status reporting, measuring KPIs, Gantt's and all that stuff. And I think all that's good. Um, make sure you break down, break down the project into appropriate uh, chunks and then, um, lay it out strategically so you can execute on it and measure it. I think all that is, is good. And I think that is important. And I do that every day. And that, that probably be the, the first technical answer. The, the second answer is a little more cultural. Um, mm. how do you keep a project on, on time and, and, and delivered? I think, I think you have to stay connected with your team. I think you, I think you have to know the person who's executing on it, um, coach them, uh, teach them, help them. Um, and if they're enabled, coach them and teach them to, coach and enable other people. So it sort of makes an exponential sort of ripple there. But I think, I really think the best way that I've found to keep a project on time is to enable people and, and, um, stay connected with them. Hmm. Yeah. I love that answer. Cause, um, you've talked about some of the technical stuff, which, uh, I mean, in the end, that might be the people working on the project that actually do that. So to enable them and and the other bit I really love is enabling them to enable the next level. So basically making yourself redundant as the project manager, but, but just orchestrating the communications. And then, yeah, you build up this team that's driving the project. Absolutely. I, I like how you put that. There's nothing more satisfying than making yourself redundant. I've, I've figured out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what's the number one thing you think anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think be themselves. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think be in touch with who you are, um, which is a difficult thing to do sometimes, you know, as people, we, we all have our own histories and experiences and, you know, traumatic events and things that have led to how we operate uh, in the moment. And sometimes that's hard that makes it hard to be in touch with yourself. But I, I would say the best way to differentiate yourself is to get in touch with yourself and, and own who you are, um, and rock it. Uh, I think that that is the way I feel like God is, is, has intended us to differentiate ourselves. Hmm. Yeah. I love, love that. Own who you are and rock it. Um, and, and the, self-awareness being in touch with who you are part that comes back to what you're saying earlier about getting out and um getting away and clearing your mind allowing your mind to wander and and also you know the self-care we talked about very early on getting out into the fresh air and sunshine and enjoying nature i think all of that plays into this idea of becoming more self-aware absolutely agreed mm. All right. Well, thanks, Noah. This has been really fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about Variable, find out more about you, find the Code Story podcast, and maybe even get in touch to say thanks for what you shared today? Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. That's my most. Uh, that's where I'm active on social media professionally. Um, and uh, you can check out more about me at noahlabhart.com. Uh, if you want to learn more about Variable, you can go to variableops.com, and that's spelled very able ops.com and then as far as the podcast so the podcast website is codestory.co and you can also search code story on any major any major podcast directory and and find uh find the show there
Great, and we'll have all those links in the show notes if you happen to be listening in the car right now so that um, you can go back home, check out the episode show notes and just click through to all of those links. So do you have any parting advice you'd like to leave our listener today, Noah? Oh, that's a, that's a, I have to prepare something for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> parting advice, you know, um, I think it, I think it goes back to what we were talking about um, with, uh, you know, how do you, how do you innovate? I think it applies, what I was saying applies to a lot of different things. Just be bold in yourself and go do it and give things a shot. I think that's really important. If I could give anybody advice that has an idea or is itching to do something, the first thing I'm going to say is we'll go do it. Hmm. All right. Well, that's great advice. And hopefully you'll take something out of this, the listener or from, from Noah's advice today, some actions and some tips that he's given and actually go out and implement some of that in your business. All right. Finally, Noah, who would you like me to chat with on a future InnovaBuzz podcast and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, the one that comes to mind for some reason is Cortland Allen. So I follow him uh, pretty regularly. He is a podcast hoster as well. He's the founder of Indie Hackers. Um, he's a tech guy. He's a, a tech builder, a digital builder. And um, he's just a really interesting guy and has a lot of interesting stories to tell. Um, and, and he comes from my world. So maybe that's why I'm the most interested in it. But <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think he would be an interesting interview. All right, well, we'll reach out to Cortland, maybe get an introduction from you and uh, have him on the podcast as well. Absolutely. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Noah. I've really enjoyed this. So it's been a fascinating story, how you came up with the idea of variable and built it to a business and how you've um, been able to rapidly pivot in some ways with the current COVID situation. But obviously there's there's been a demand that has tapped in, but it's based on the relationships you already had in place and had built, which is, I think that's a really important point. I've really enjoyed this immensely. So um, yeah, all the best and uh, let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've had, I've had a blast. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative conversation with Noah and took something away from his episode. The story of how Noah and his partners started Variable as a minimum viable product and steadily grew from there without ever overextending was the highlight for me. I'm curious to know what you took away from Noah's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Noah Labhart. That is N-O-A-H. L-A-B-H-A-R-T, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Noah Labhart. You'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Noah there, as well as links to his website, the Variable website, his social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in today's conversation. Noah suggested that we have a conversation with Cortland Allen, of Indie Hackers on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Cortland, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Noah Labhart. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got even more fantastic guests lined up 
including Referral Coach and author of Radical Relevance, Bill Cates, and former lead solo pilot of the Blue Angels, Sloan Fellow at the Stanford School of Business, and developer of the Fearless Success System, John Foley. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.